Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for Olympiakos FC and the Greek Super League. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with Lambros Sirmos and Adi Bulubasis. We will be covering a few things around the Greek Super League today with our midweek short. I believe it's our third midweek short. Yep. Hopefully this one is, is a bit shorter, but <laughs> we do have a lot of stuff to cover today. It's been a, a pretty exciting week or so in terms of transfer news, and obviously European football is on the horizon. Before we get into the meat of the podcast, we just want to announce a few things. We would like to thank Stephen Koduru for coming on last weekend. We had a great time talking about uh, the Greek national team as well as Olympiakos with him. He is, of course, with Hellas Football. Give them a follow at Hellas Footy. They uh, cover a lot of really great analysis of all of Greek football in English. Additionally, our next special guest will be this weekend. We will be having Konstantin Levoyanis, who is on Twitter at CLEVO275. He will be talking about the Greek Cup final with us, assuming it happens. So far, we are good to go, but you never know what will happen. He is also with Olympiakos EU, who you can follow on Twitter at Olympiakos EU, and that's Olympiakos with a C. That one should be out on Sunday the 13th, which is the day after the Cup. We'll be recording it directly after the Cup final. Additionally, we have more special guests. That's right, three more special guests on the horizon for you guys in the next couple weeks here. The first one will be next midweek series. On September 16th, we will be having George Tsitsonis. We were a bit uh, pessimistic, to say the least, about the Greek national team last weekend. So we figured that there would be no better way to rationalize that than by talking about the glory days. George Tsitsonis is the author of the book Achieving the Impossible, The Remarkable Story of Greece's Euro 2004 Victory. So I'm super excited to get into that. It's a really cool book, and I'm, I'm really excited to just ask him about some of the stuff in there, and as well as talking about the current landscape of Greek football. After that, next weekend, which will be the weekend of the 20th, we will be having Bob Beans on. He is affiliated with the Olympiakos English Twitter account, which is at Olympiakos underscore E-N-G. That's Olympiakos with a K. We will be discussing the upcoming Champions League fixtures for Olympiakos, which will be happening shortly after that weekend. Uh, we, of course, don't know who our opponents will be yet, but by then we will know as the game will be coming up. And then the weekend after that, we have Christian Legas, another Hellas football guest, coming to join us on Sunday, September 27th. So we will be discussing some of the European matches that will have happened by then, and potentially match day three of the Greek Super League. So a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon for us here, folks. And we hope you continue to tune in and watch. We're really excited for all of these special guests. And we'll, of course, be delivering you the content throughout the year. We also want to just say thank you again to our sponsor, Piraeus International. As you know, if you need to ship household items, cars, or appliances to Greece, please contact our friends at 410 675-4696. You can also email them at sales at piraeusintl.com. That's spelled as Piraeus like the port in Greece. 
They can also import things from Greece, like that nice olive oil I was talking about last time, or marble, or anything that just reminds you of Greece that you'd love to have in your current country, whether you're in the US or Canada or what. The company is based in Baltimore, Maryland, and they coordinate shipping all over the US and Canada. All right, thank you for that, Peter. Um, yeah. I guess uh, this is a good time for us to kind of get into some of the meat of the podcast. First, uh, first and foremost, let's do some transfers and news around the league. Uh, we'll start with Olympiacos because, of course, we're an Olympiacos podcast, so we're going to start with them first. Uh, as everybody already knows, Pepe is official. We're really excited to have him here. Uh, we did a little bit of a deep dive on him. I think it was almost three podcasts ago now or two podcasts right, ago. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting player. Guillermo replacement with Mahdi-type upside. There's been uh, some interesting news with regard to Gary Rodriguez. Doesn't really look like we're pursuing him anymore. Something, something held up the deal. I don't know if it was the new offer, the offer with Galatasaray. We knew they were interested, but that is definitely not happening. I, I just want to jump in, and I think the club has been listening to the podcast and has been listening <laughs> to my analysis, and that is why Gary Rodriguez has fallen through. Just putting it out there. The next conspiracy theory that Lambro personally called the front office and said, do not make this happen. It'll be in Greek media by <laughs> tomorrow morning. <laughs> uh, well, we're, it looks like we're pursuing a different winger um, from the Israeli league. He plays for Beitar Jerusalem. Levi Garcia, Levi Garcia, excuse me, Trinidad International, 22 years old. He's been pursued by Ike as well. They've been looking at him. Kasim Pasa and a couple of Italian teams have expressed some interest. He's, he's more interesting to me than Gary Rodriguez, even though he's younger and inexperienced. He has a lower center of gravity, similar to Podence. Very nice touch. Competent dribbler. Uh, the only issue I saw in the limited film I watched was that he has the tendency to dribble into trouble. You know, a lot of young kids do that. They overvalue their dribbling ability. They think they can take everybody on. That's something that can be worked on. He also is a little clumsy. Sometimes he can just lose the ball or forget that it's at his feet. Again, that's all stuff that can be addressed. He's young. Uh, and his crossing is also something that needs improvement, but there's a lot of upside to this player. Additionally, there's about a lot of news, especially today, with regard to Semedo. Benfica are relentless. They want him really bad. It started with last week, uh, $5 million we were hearing from them. Then it went to $6.5 million plus a player, plus two players. That was some of the rumors. Then it went to $7.5 million. The latest report that we've heard, latest rumors, $8 million plus a sell-on fee, plus two players. That's interesting. You know, I have to say, I love Semedo. I'm a huge fan of his. When he came into the team last year, I was so excited to have him there at the back. But, geez, $8 million sell-on clause and two players. Obviously, we don't know who those two players are. We, of course, talked about Tarapt. In the last episode, maybe he's one of them. But that's that's pretty good, especially in the current coronavirus economy. And especially considering we have Cisse and Ba, who are both Super League starting quality for sure, at the back. Obviously, you will want some cover on the bench for those two. But that, I think, is a good deal for Olympiacos, getting that $8 million. We've We've accumulated some cash here. So... Who knows what we might be able to use that on in the future? Yeah, and I just like to say, as long as one of those players is not Samaris, we're happy. <laughs> I'm just putting, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just putting that one out there. 
Yeah, the the club in the past has said that we refuse to sell him for under $13 million. We've said it to Benfica multiple times. Don't care about your small offers. $13 million at least, even in the corona economy. You know, I think normally non-COVID, we're looking at least 20 for him. He's that special of a player. But, again, 8 mil plus sell-on plus two players, especially depending who they are, like that young winger Hota maybe, you know, uh, solid center back. I'm interested if I'm the front office. And I think what you talked about with that negotiation style is potentially what has got Olympiacos in such a good place. They've basically said, no, we're not budging from 13. And they've given us a pretty good offer. It might not actually be $13 million or euros cash, but you've obviously got the extra players in there and the sell-on fee. So interesting either way. Yeah, it's something we'll definitely monitor as well. Uh, other moves going on, as most people saw today, Jan Mvila. Uh, from France, from Saint-Étienne. He finally was released from his contract. Looks like he will be doing his medical and signing this week. It's being reported that he's going to sign a two-plus-one-year deal with us. It's valued at $5 million. It's not clear if the $5 million is for his first two years or including the option year. I'd imagine that since we've been hearing his wages were really high, and that's why we didn't want to pay for him, and we had no interest in paying Etienne's $1 million, that it's probably... To, he's probably getting paid over $2 million a year from us uh, for the first two years, and then depending on what's going on with that option year. But we're very excited to have Jan Mvila here. Jan Mvila is a, a wonderful player. We went over some of his metrics previously. Uh, defensive metrics are very close to Guillerme, if not a little better, actually, even though he doesn't have the same ball-playing ability. Very excited to have him here. Um, additionally, for some of the loanees, uh, there's been a lot of interest about the loanees coming back. Who's going to, if anyone's going to be rostered, who's going to be loaned again, who's going to be sold. The four loanees that return that Martins is going to roster are the following. Chumich, we all expected that. Don't have to say anything more about him. We kind of went over why he's amazing, had such a great season in Serbia. We expected that. A little bit of a surprise to me was uh, Hugo Koipers. I wasn't really expecting him to be rostered, but I guess Martin saw what he liked, and he'll be he'll be with the team. Andruzos, we already knew Andruzos. We were offering him a new contract. It was pretty much expected that he was going to be rostered. And additionally, Vrusai. We had, even though there were reports, Lambro had mentioned that he could be going back to the Netherlands. Vrusai looks like he's going to be given a shot. Yeah, Vrusai is definitely the surprising one because I, I really thought he was just waiting his time out. And I think... What I'd read earlier in the summer was he had made clear to the club that he wanted to leave. So I find it really interesting. And also I'd just point out with some of these lone guys, I would say that they still have a chance of leaving if we bring in or find a deal. I, I wouldn't say they're 100% in the squad, but it's good to see them at least making the first cuts. Yep. Now some of the loaning guys that didn't make the cut, uh, Nemanja Nikolic, uh, young right back, really the only prospect we have if you you know well including Masuras but uh, looks like he's going to go on loan we're looking for for all these guys that were on loan returning that we're loaning out again we're looking for places that are going to guarantee them first team football which is very encouraging this isn't really something that we've done a lot before we've never required this but this was a statement made by the club they want first team football for these guys I think that's that's really good that the club did that but I also, especially with Ghosty, 
I understand that we have a lot of midfielders, so it does make sense that maybe we loan him out. But I kind of hope that maybe he is put in a bit more challenging of an environment than where he was previously at, at Nea Salamani. Um, I think even a bigger Cypriot team or a team that might be competing in Europe somewhere might be a really nice experience for him. Obviously, as you said, game time is the number one priority. But with these loans, you, you want to make sure that a player is in a team that is challenging them to improve and get better and they can't kind of just stay complacent and be able to get in the team no matter what. And I feel like if he goes right back to the team where he was previously, that might happen. So I wonder where he ends up. I assume it will probably be somewhere back in Cyprus, but I kind of hope that he gets a slightly higher level and that might facilitate his uh, improved development. I agree. And in addition to Nemanja Nikolic and Ioannis Gosti, there's also Fonte Camaro, who looks like he will be getting loaned out as well. Um, and, you know, another loanee that came back that a lot of us were surprised for, I thought we were going to sell him immediately, was Media. He's been cut officially, thank God. And looks like he's going to be sold to Turkey. So don't worry, everybody. Media is going to be out of our hair soon. He's going. He's got offers from Turkey. He's gone. Interesting stuff. So I think now's the time to go looking at our rivals, guys. So I'll start off with Pauk. Um, recently, the news broke right after the international break that Greek international winger we rate quite highly, uh, Limnios, was sold to FC Cologne for around 3.3 million euros with, I think, a, I believe, a 15 to 20% sell-on percentage. But that deal ended up stalling because he tested positive for coronavirus. I don't know if you guys saw that, which ended up a lot of Greek players have to actually quarantine after that and get second tests. So with Limnios looking out the door, Pauk have actually signed a young Serbian winger by the name of Andrea Andrea Zivkovic, I want to say, from Benfica. He was a winger who's been highly rated. He was rumored, actually, for a huge move to Everton just last year. A lot of people in the Greek media are dubbing him Pauks Podense. We looked into some analytics. Don't know about that. He doesn't have the same center of gravity. He does have the pace. He's a quick player. He's very aggressive when the team's not in possession. He likes a good press. He has featured for Serbia in the past. He's an interesting player. I, With these players, sometimes it's just a flip of the coin, whether they'll flop or they'll become a next star. So it'll be interesting to follow this one. Some more news at the striker position. Chuba Akpom, former Arsenal Academy youngster, appears to be on the block next. Turkish teams are definitely sniffing around. We heard that from earlier in the summer, but also teams from the English Championship. An interesting note, it looks like Pauk are looking for a goalkeeper. It doesn't look like they're happy with either Pascal Lakis or Zivkovic. They're looking at Liverpool youngster Kamil Grabara. I believe is a Polish youth international. He's not going to see playing time at Liverpool. Unclear if this is going to be a permanent move or a loan. Another interesting move is midfielder Anderson SAD. He's being pursued currently by a Chinese club and has been actually got a very lucrative offer for Pauk. Quite an expensive offer for considering the type of player that he is. He He's not very technical. He's quite physical. He likes to run. He likes to put in a hard tackle. Not really the exact type of player you see Chinese clubs buying, but if Pau can get money for him, that's good for them, I guess. Uh, furthermore, a name that we were actually linked to quite a while ago, maybe two summers ago, a summer, uh, Piero Sotiru, 
from FC Astana, I think the club's in Kazakhstan. Looks like Pauk are looking to bring him in. That striker position looks like a revolving door at the moment. It's unclear. As we just mentioned, Akpom may be leaving. Svidesky may be leaving. Uh, this guy from FC Astana, we were linked with him. He looked a decent player every time I've seen him play. Could come in and help. Uh, furthermore, they have a lot of contracts to sever and budget adjustments to make. It looks like they may be in some debt. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, today there were some very interesting debt figures thrown around. Uh, we knew it from a previous podcast I had mentioned that their debts exceeded the $30 million allowance from UEFA. Now, because of COVID, everybody has a one-year extension. You have one year to get your house in order because of the COVID issues. Now we're kind of finding out that their debts are a little higher. You know, it's natural. A lot of clubs have had increase in debts because there's no stadium revenue coming in. The revenue you're surviving off of is European revenue and whatever existing TV contracts you have. That's it. And player sales. So they have a pretty inflated wage budget for Greece. So it's understandable that they are probably, you know, a little bit higher in the debt in terms of their debt limit. So I, it's not too surprising to me. Yeah, we were discussing this earlier. They had a real, I guess what you could call it, a Michael Essien situation of Panathinaikos with uh, the Swiss midfielder Pontus Wernerblum. Came in on huge money from Chesica Moscow, I want to say two years ago. Barely played, tore his ACL, left the club. Massive wages they had to pay that guy. It's that's not good for a club, especially a club that doesn't play that much in Europe. Yeah, and on social media today, especially Falk social media, there were a lot of angry, angry, angry fans. They see Olympiakos making moves, and they're upset that Falk isn't doing the same. I just want to tell everybody, this is all Greek fans, not just Falk fans. Every Greek club, even Olympiakos, isn't spending money. Yeah, We haven't spent a million euros yet on incoming players. Everything we've done has been free. Jan and Vila, free. Rafinha, free. Olebas, free. We only spent 400K on Christensen from Larissa. And additionally, Olympiakos have, have made, I think, the two biggest sales in the last calendar year in the Greek Super League with Chimikas headed to Liverpool and Podence already at Wolves. So that money's coming in. And obviously that's a huge help. And Guillerme has gone and Semedo may be leaving soon. Obviously, Pauk have made some sales as well, but just speaking from purely how much money is coming in, Olympiacos have had that money coming in from sales as well, which obviously also helps. And they're still not going out and splashing cash on anyone, which really shows you it is a dire situation for just about everyone right now. Yeah, and I'd also say we, we have signed Pepe officially at this point. I think that was three and a half million, but also that is a lot below what we got for Guillerme. So we're not spending more than we're selling we're <laughs> i'll say this clearly we never spend more than we bring in to be honest these last few years and when you read olympiakos sites and newspapers people really don't like that but that's how it is that's how it is these days in modern football and the pepe getting pepe for less money than we got back for Guillermo is great business by the way um obviously you almost forget that we actually got him for less money than we than we received for Guillermo, which is nice. But speaking of other teams in the Super League, we won't just talk about Olympiakos and Pauk. Panathinaikos have actually brought in a fairly exciting player at left back. They will be signing Juan Carlos Perez Lopez, also known as Juan Car, who was 
uh, originally in the Real Madrid Youth Academy. He's an attacking fullback. He's 30 years old. He is very fast, though. He's pretty much, that is mainly the highlight of what he can do on the pitch. He's not super, super skilled on the dribble, but sometimes just him being incredibly pacey and fast is enough to, to win duels with the ball and whatnot. His nickname is apparently the Greyhound, obviously uh, a testament to his speed. Defensively, he's all right. Not the most accurate passer, but you never know what could happen with that pace, obviously. Also for Panathinaikos, they have brought some youth into the team in the form of, or they are looking to bring some youth into the team in the form of Lefteris Liratsis, who is a 20-year-old fullback from Pauk. Obviously, they seem to be accumulating uh, a decent bit of young talent. We saw that the, the Greek U21 team had a lot of Panathinaikos players in it. They have some solid players coming back from loan, as well as some younger players who featured in their team last year. They also announced new jerseys. We're still waiting on those for Olympiakos, if I'm not mistaken. New jerseys don't look half bad either. The, uh, I mean, the, the green and white ones are boring. I feel like we've seen them before uh, from a few years ago. But the gray one, I actually kind of like the gray one. It's not bad. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's always fun to see the new looks come out for, for all the teams. And heading over to Ike, to the other side of Athens, they were having some people sniff at Bakakis, their right back, who, of course, we saw feature for Greece in the national team. Leganes, who currently own Shiovas and have just been relegated from La Liga through a 500,000 euro offer at Ike. Ike said no. I think, yeah, that's probably a good idea. I think he's a solid player and maybe worth more than that, even though he's not super young. They did sign Vedar Radonja from Dinamo Zagreb in Croatia. He's a 19-year-old right back. I believe that was a free transfer because he'd been released. And Fenerbahce in Turkey have been sniffing around for their attacker, Livaya. There's a fairly large offer. I don't know the numbers on that exactly, but obviously someone thought he was the yeah. best player in the Super League last year. So I suppose yeah, people but... will be throwing big money at him. Yeah, the Nevea fan vote very famously. Him and Yanis uh, Fefazi, these were considered the best players in the Super League last season. But just to jump on that, I read figures that his contract offer from Fenerbahce was around 2 million euros. And I don't want to jump into this, but it seems like this is a tactic being used by us, other teams, throwing players, negotiating with the players, throwing them a large salary and basically telling them, it's Corona time to push your way out of the club you're at. And it looks like that's a situation that could be developing with, I would say, Ike's best player. Yeah, interesting situation with them, especially we've said it a million times, but with the Kipeto coming up, if that's another player that by Saturday may be sort of in limbo and not feeling up to playing for Ike, that's just one more player that they're going to have to replace, obviously throwing another wrench in things. So should be interesting for sure. I still think that on both sides, the teams are going to be pretty fractured. But anyway, moving back to Thessaloniki with Aris, they have signed another goalkeeper, Zachary Boucher from Auxerre. Obviously, a big influx of players coming into Aris after sort of how they ended their last season. And we've seen them make a lot of signings this summer. Should be interesting to see how they line up. And Atromitos have signed Yanis Okonomidis from Panionios. He's a 22-year-old midfielder. Speaking of Panionios, 
they have already received a point deduction for this year's Super League for the debts that their uh, wages, they've owed two players wages and they have received minus three points for each of those players. So they're going to start off at negative six points to start the season. Those two players are Michelangelo Pitinios and Philip Malonovic. So not the way you want to start off the season, especially for Panionios, who might find it difficult to stay up now that they're starting off six points behind. And lastly, Lamia have brought in Zizis Shatsistavros from Pauk. He is a 20-year-old attacking midfielder. He will be in on loan for the next season. So obviously could be a good player for them as they also fight to stay up. Panionios is another team with horrible debt. We mm-hmm. saw some of that last year. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a good situation. This is definitely a case that they just don't have the money. Yeah. So it's it sucks when you see stuff like that. Um, we need healthy, we need financially healthy teams in the Super League as well as teams that are competing. Yeah. Um, now, moving on to the Super League and what we want to see for it compared to Europe. There's been some movement, of course, for the coefficient. As you know, before the international break, we had the second round of Champions League, the Champions League playoff games, or I should say qualifying rounds. And coming up next week, there are some very, very, very important games for the third qualifying round. Mm -hmm. As it stands, Greece currently has 21.2 points for, this is the, what our five year, including this year, uh, coefficient rating is with UEFA. So this is going to determine our seeding for next year in the in the UEFA competition, how many teams Greece has in Champions League, Europa League, or the new Europa Conference League that'll be around next year. So at 21.2 points, directly behind us is Croatia. They sit at 20.675. That is not a very comfortable bubble. It is, you know, it gives us a couple game cushion. Mm-hmm. Because uh, Dynamo Zagreb won, and then, of course, Locomotive lost, and they were demoted to uh, Europa League. So we have a little bit of a cushion there. And then Czech Republic is also not far behind. Uh, they're at 20.1 after the Victoria Klitsen loss. They were also demoted to the Europa League uh, qualifiers. Now, ahead of us, uh, unfortunately, the guys ahead of us all seem to be gaining ground on us. It's not something to be super worried about right now. It's still very early in the qualifying stage, very early in this coefficient race. But it is something we need to be careful of because, you know, Balk has a very difficult test ahead of them. And we need a lot of these countries' teams to lose so that we have that uh, ability or, you know, hopefully the opportunity to jump into the 17th, 16th, or God willing, the 15th place in the UEFA coefficients. And we've talked about in the past why obviously Pauk winning is important. And despite being Olympiacos fans, we are going to be rooting for Pauk against Benfica, but it is really terrible luck for them. And and with the sales that they've made, it almost suggests that they sort of understand how much of an underdog they are in this situation. And, you know, I'm hoping for the best. I really am, but it doesn't really look good for Pauk with Limios out. Obviously, he's actually not a starter for their team, but it seems like the fact that they're looking to sell him right before this game, they clearly, it seems like they they aren't super confident about their chances against Benfica. Yeah, and this is a reloaded Benfica side. This is a big Benfica team they brought in. 
Everton. I want to say Everton Suarez is his name, or maybe Everton Suarez is, is right. Yeah. Suarez Suarez is right. He was that Brazilian youngster who was linked with clubs all over Europe. They brought in Jan Vertonghen on a free. They've kept a lot of their players actually. That's a very good side. So I understand why Pauk may be looking to get out, and why we all thought this was the worst case scenario draw. It's it's not great, but we hope for the best. Yep. And uh, so looking ahead at the teams, that, I should say the countries rather that are ahead of us. Uh, Switzerland kind of jumped up. They, you know, they're they're sitting on, I believe it's for for this year. Switzerland's already earned three quarters of a coefficient point with their victories. Remember, the teams that are sitting between, you know, ahead of us uh, from 14th to 17th place, they only get four. They only have four teams in competitions, European competitions, whereas Greece has five. So they have less teams. However. For each win, they that each win is weighted more towards their coefficient, versus for us, it, you know, when Falk won, they got 0.3 points toward the coefficient. As I mentioned, the way the point totals are for the wins, you get 1.5 points for a win, but then what UEFA does is they take your total points and divide it by the number of teams that are in the competition or that entered the competition from the beginning, and that's how many points go towards the country's coefficient which is why we only get 0.3 points for every Greek team that wins. And Switzerland, Serbia, Denmark, and Cyprus each get 0.375. That is, that's pretty huge. So that's, that explains kind of why they're jumping a little bit ahead. You know, of course, Switzerland, they're sitting at 21.85. Again, it's not out of reach. However, we do need young boys and Servette to lose. Well, more than they win. <laughs> so. can, can I jump in real quick? Uh, Servette is actually my local team here in Geneva. They're, my neighborhood is literally that I live in is called Servette, and their banners are all around. But um, I perceive them to be an extremely small team. They don't have much support. Most people here support French teams, not going to lie. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I got to go over there with a flare, put some intimidation down on their players, you know, do our Greek coalition <laughs> proud anyway. Just a side note. That's actually a uh, hilarious, hilarious coincidence. Uh, anyway, again, ahead of us, Serbia. You know, um, there's some important games coming up with Serbian teams. They're at 22.75. Again, not out of reach. It's pretty close, but we need to be winning more than losing, and we need them to lose a lot. Denmark, 24.5. Will it? It'll be difficult to catch them, especially if they have any kind of success, because the last few years. We're struggling to get five, you know, more than five coefficient points. So it's going to be tough to catch up to them, especially if they're remarkably successful. And Cyprus, you know, I don't have to air really my frustrations, but uh, all the Cypriot teams are winning. They're winning in these qualifiers. I don't know how they do it, but Cypriot teams seem to perform pretty well in Champions League. So that's kind of the landscape. Uh, that's kind of what we're looking at so far, how the coefficients look and how Greece is positioned compared to them. So there's a lot of matchups, like I mentioned already, coming up for next week. You can either tune into them, you know, root against whoever we need to lose, or just bear it in mind so you know what to look for to, to see what we need to happen to help Greece get propelled there. Now, I wish I didn't do all the research into these, into these fixtures, see where these countries were coming from. This took a lot of time, and there was a really, really good list, way better than the Excel sheet that I made on Reddit from user Misartic. 
I believe he's an Ike fan. He's in the, the subreddit Greek footy. So if you go to r slash r forward slash Greek footy on Reddit, you can find this. Again, um, user Mesartic, I think he's one of the moderators for there, has a really nice layout of what happened, the results from the previous leg that mattered to us, and upcoming. I had a terrible Excel spreadsheet. And, you know, hopefully, I hope Mesartic, if he listens to this, he continues to do it because I'm not – you know, it was a lot of work to do that. And if he's going to do it, it's going to save me a lot of time. Anyway, I'll do a quick rundown of the important matches for us to, to, uh, to monitor. And it seems like Reddit just has everything as well. I, I don't even know why you started doing that yourself, Adi. I, I'm not surprised <laughs> it was on there. I mean, just got to yeah. go to the depths and you find any, pretty much anything you want. Yeah, there's, there's just as many uh, enthusiastic Greek soccer fans on Reddit as we're on other boards. So uh, I probably should have checked that first, but again, you know, Mesartic, it's a, he has a really nice list. Go check it out. It's called the Greek coefficient report, I think, or just coefficient report number two. He's done one before this. So, uh, you know, now that I know, hopefully he keeps up with it and uh, I'm definitely going to be using that because it's going to save me a lot of time. Anyway, I'll run through quickly. As I mentioned, the, the Champions League third qualifying round matches that are important for the Greek coefficient. We have Ferent Varos versus Dynamo Zagreb. We need Dynamo Zagreb to lose. That's Croatia. Even though they're behind us, we want more of a cushion between Croatia and Greece. We do not want to drop. I mean, well, yeah. it doesn't really matter if we drop from 18, 19 to 20 because it doesn't change what teams we get and where they're positioned. But we don't want to go further. We don't want to make life difficult, more difficult. We need to get to that 15th spot. Um, so next is, you know, the matchup that determines who we play. Ammonia versus Red Star. This is kind of win-win in terms of which country loses because it helps us either way. However, and again, I don't like saying this because Red Star, uh, you know, our club has a very important relationship with Red Star. So I don't like saying I want Red Star to lose, but for the sake of the coefficient, Serbia is directly in front of us. Easier to catch, easier for us to hurdle. It would probably be easier for us if not only if Serbia could lose, but then we play against a Cypriot team and then hopefully beat a Cypriot team after that. So personally, I think it's better for Red Star to lose. That way we immediately get that little jump onto Serbia. Next, we have Mitch Tillin and Young Boys. Mitch Tillin is, a, I hope I'm saying that right, Midgetland, I think it's Mid Midgetland. Midgetland. Okay. I, I, I'm gonna get <laughs> uh, butchered if that's wrong, but that is a that is a Danish team, Denmark. They're again, they're a little bit further ahead of us. We would much prefer Young Boys, the Swiss team in that matchup, to lose because again, uh, it'd be nice for us to kind of leapfrog the guys that are closer. Uh, and then, of course, as you guys know, Pogba and Vika, that's huge. And we'll kind of address the that matchup and kind of do some pre-match analysis for that later. But, you know, we need Pop to win that. Not likely, but we need them to do that. In the Europa League second qualification, we have a lot of games that are of interest. I was just going to say, I just looked it up, and I think it's pronounced uh, Midgeland. Midgeland. I apologize, any Danish listeners, if I, if I butchered it. I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Um, now, for the Europa League second qualifiers, we have uh, Kaiser versus Apoel. Need Apoel to lose that one. Again, no offense to our Cypriot fans, just need to catch up in coefficient. Then we have, uh, looks like a postponed game, uh, the result of the postponed Maccabi Haifa and Zell, Zell's Zenijar. 
they are playing against Aarhus in Denmark. So whoever wins that, whoever goes up against Aarhus, we need them to win again to help kind of throw down that Danish coefficient. Yeah, and I, I just want to make a quick comment. I see so many English fans who joke about Europa League. They're like, you're going to be playing Wi-Fi passwords on Thursdays. These team names are not helping that cause. My goodness, these are tough to, tough to say, some of them, anyway. To be fair, there. people who don't speak Greek probably have a tough time saying Panathinaikos correctly yeah, as well. That is true. That is very true. But anyway, these, these names are just, okay. Yeah. Uh, next, we have uh, Gothenburg and Copenhagen. Copenhagen, as we know, Zekov plays there. They've traditionally been a contender in Europe. I'm not expecting them to lose this. It would be nice if they did. Next is uh, uh, Baka Topala. It's a Serbian team versus FCSB. We need the Serbian teams to lose so we can catch up to them in the coefficient. Hugely important game for us. Ofi versus Apollon Limassol. Greek team that we you know need to win regardless. Plus it's against a Cypriot team. So we can, you know, it's zero sum here. What, what we win, they lose. So we need them, Ofi, to beat a Cypriot team especially. Next is Svantul Jorga, I think I pronounced that right, versus Partizan, another Serbian team. Need these Serbian teams to lose. Aris versus Kolos Kovalivka. I love the memes that came from this Kolos, <laughs> Kolos team. The Greek memes about it are hilarious. For those that don't speak Greek, Kolo is a, a butt. So they're hilarious. Uh, but we need Aris to win again. Greek team need to win for the coefficient. We have Riteriai versus Slovan Liberec. That's a Czech team. Need them to lose so that we can continue to have that buffer behind us. Servet, your local team. Huge there, game. Lombro. Huge game down the street. I'm gonna I'm gonna set the atmosphere. It's gonna be fiery. <laughs> we have Servet versus Rem. Uh, again, need Servet to lose that one. Then it's Renova versus Hadrup Split. Croatian team again want to buffer that space behind us. Dunashka Streda versus Jablonek, another Czech team. Need them to lose. Ozijek, a Croatian team versus Basel, Swiss team. Personally, I would much rather Basel lose that because they're ahead of us and we already have that buffer with Croatia behind us. Either way, it does kind of benefit us. So you have the landscape here. You have the important games that are coming up if you wanted to follow along. This is something we'll continue to address in further midweek series. If you want to read this yourself, because you're not going to remember all these team names, again, go to the subreddit r slash greekfooty and check out the post from Ms. Artik. Uh, he's an Ike supporter. Very, very nice post about it. Easy to follow along. Easy to see where the coefficients are and uh, kind of where, where we seem to be in the race. Lambros, Servet are playing a French team. Who do you think will have more fans in Geneva? Oh, the French team by far, <laughs> even if it's like the smallest. I don't know. I think Rams is a smaller French team. No if offense. They're in Europe. Any. They can't be that small. But no, yeah. Anyway, yeah, let's get into Pauk Benfica. Yeah. Too much Servette talk. <laughs> Sorry if we have any Servette fans watching. <laughs> We've kind of well, kind of roasted them a little bit. Just to kind of begin kind of our pregame analysis here. So when we looked into the friendlies that Benfica's been playing with, I mean, first of all, they brought in a couple of players. Uh, you guys mentioned already. Um, some of the new the new purchases, Nunez, very interesting player. Not sure if he's going to start for them right away because he's a new purchase. They didn't use him in the friendlies. Uh, I think he actually came on as a sub in one of them. So I'm not sure if he'll be starting. But they did bring in this Pedrinho guy that has been in both friendlies. 
very interesting player. He played for Corinthians. Uh, I mean, he plays all over the place, very much uh, kind of Swiss Army knife type of player. Lagging striker, which is what he's going to play for Benfica in this 4-4-2. He can play AM. He can play right wing. He played a couple times on left wing. He's very interesting. Uh, he, The funny thing about him is he doesn't really seem like the type of player that's going to unlock team. He doesn't seem like he passes a lot. He seems like he dribbles a lot. Uh, can spread a defense apart, makes a lot of great runs, covers a lot of ground. Going to be interesting See and see how he fits in. He didn't do much in the two friendlies, probably because he's settling in with his new team. But it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in with them and how uh, Falk can hold up against them. The danger man, or I should say one of the danger men in this team is going to be this guy, Vinicius. No, it's not the Vinicius Jr. from Real Madrid. This is a different Vinicius. It's Benfica's Vinicius. He's had four goals in his last five games. Very tough player, very physical striker, very accurate shot, and he's their go-to finisher. That Bauk defense was pretty suspect that we saw, um, you know, in uh, when they were playing against uh, Besiktas. So they will need to be in a, their top performance, their top shape, because they're not going to get away with some shoddy defending. Those Besiktas players were not finishing. They weren't taking chances very well. This guy will. And if you leave him one or two, he's going to finish them. Uh, I believe that in the, in the midfield, Taroth is probably going to be starting. He did start in the first friendly that they had um, leading up to this, but he got a red card. So I'm wondering if he sat because of that. They played Bitsy behind him. Both of them are solid midfielders, something to be, something to monitor. They boss the midfield. They're very physical. And Taroth, we know, has skill on the ball. Can break apart a team, of course, as well. Uh, very dangerous players that Bauk need to watch out for are both of their wingers, Everton and Rafa Silva. Both of these guys love to take defenders on. They will stretch the pitch. They will go to the touchline. They will take crosses. They'll take any space a defender gives them. Uh, Everton has some skill, will take players on, but he can be muscled off. He can be dispossessed. He's not very physical. So, I mean, Bach defenders, no, Bach, play, Bach players in general are physical. I think they can use this to their advantage, but they will, they will need to be much more careful on the other side of the pitch with Rafa Silva because he is also pretty physical and he's super successful taking players on. In these friendlies, I mean, he was going by defenders like crazy. Can create uh, opportunities. He's very active in the box. He actually touches the ball the most in the penalty area of the entire Benfica team, including their forwards. So this guy is going to get into those danger areas. And this is a guy that they especially need to watch out for besides Vinicius. Yeah, this team seems pretty good, I have to say. And uh, they just have incredible players, a lot of times experienced players. Obviously, Everton has been over in Brazil, but he's been linked with moves to Europe for a long time. And he didn't even mention Vlacodimos in goal. Obviously, a Greek player who's rested up from not being selected to the national team. We didn't mention Jan Vertogen, who Premier League fans will be familiar with from Tottenham. He arrived on a free transfer. I don't know if he's going to play because he wasn't in either of the friendlies, but he was with the Belgian national team for some of that time, if I'm not mistaken. So either way, this is a pretty good team that they're lining up with. It looks like, I mean, obviously, we know they're still in for Ruben Semedo, but this team looks just about ready to go for their season, obviously with the season fast approaching. So, you know, we just got to hope for Pauk, really. It's, uh, it's 
certainly wouldn't be an embarrassment to lose. I mean, certainly Olympiacos fans uh, will take any opportunity to make fun of Pauk for not doing well in Europe. But, you know, this is a game you can't blame them for losing because Benfica have a very good yeah, team. And I just want to jump in. Um, I don't know if you guys watched or kind of saw how the Portuguese season ended, but going into lockdown, Benfica were ahead in the league. We're doing quite well, but post-COVID or post-lockdown, they did very poorly, and they actually just bottled the league, I guess, would be the popular saying. It seems like they came out and they just reloaded this team. And looking at that back line, I'm assuming Grimaldo, who is considered one of the top fullback prospects in the world, Ruben Diaz, linked with huge clubs, also started for Portugal on this international break. Jan Vertonghen, as Peter mentioned, starter for Belgium on this international break. Vlachodimos, a top keeper. Chuba Akpom, is, is Chuba Akpom going to score? You know, we, we discussed championship squads and Turkish teams are on the hunt for him. And his finishing is poor. I, I think that's putting it nicely. Pelkas, his finishing is poor, typically. I think they're not going to get a ton of chances. It's going to be really tough to beat this defense down. And to be honest with you guys, looking at this Benfica side, this is a Benfica side that I think could get through to the knockout stages of the Champions League, looking at their roster, you know? Like, Pauk is no shame going out to this team. This is a top, top team. It really is poor for Pauk. They, yeah, they've gotten this incredible team. They got Ajax last year. And two, two incredible teams that will, as you say, could, could make it far. And, um, yeah, even with Zoldis had a good game last time out, but, I mean, he's such a young player, and this is a totally new animal in comparison to Besiktas in terms of the technical ability of the players and the experience of the defenders there. So it'll be interesting to see if he can maybe pull things off. Obviously, we'll be hoping for that. But, yeah, I mean, Pelkas and Akpom are not top-class technical players, and they're going up against really good experienced defenders. Zoldis yeah. is young. We'll see. Maybe they can... It might be a low-scoring affair. Maybe they can uh, squeak out a 1-0 or a 0-0, something like that. But it might be hard for their attack to get something going. Yeah, and this is the the hope for Pauk. You know, this is a one-go, one-night in Tumba. Uh, of course, no no fans, which is tough. But they got one chance. They got one night. This isn't over two legs. They need to keep it tight. They can't concede an early goal. And... It's going to be really hard. This Benfica team has a new coach as well. Jorge Jesus came in from Flamengo, that Flamengo team that Rafinha came in from, that Flamengo team that won almost everything in South America. He's considered a top coach. Again, the chances of Pauk winning this game are very slim, but if they were going to do it, they were going to do it in this format. We saw upsets, upsets all throughout the Champions League knockout stages. Lyon went so deep in the Champions League knockout stages because of this one game park the bus, hit a team on the counter, and just steal it, you know. That's got to be the goal here. The talent isn't on Pauk's side, and it's it's going to be it's gonna be difficult. Well, Bach, that was when they were dangerous against Besiktas was on the counter. Besiktas technically still dominated possession against them. They dominated the game, but Bach was very deadly on the counter, you know, very much thanks to Solis, very much thanks to Belkas in some ways. You know, they, they're going to rely on the counter. Belkas has to step up. Solis needs to have another amazing game. And most importantly, Chuba Akam has to make those 
he has to make those shots. He has to score. He can't miss any penalties if they get one in this. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be a tough game. And, you know, with Ofi versus Apollon Limassol and Adis versus Kolos Kovalivka, there's not a lot of player data for these two teams. They're very small. The player data that's is available is very limited, so we can't give as much of an analysis, a pre-match analysis, as we can on Benfica. So, you know, I'm sorry for Ofi fans and Adis fans and those who are looking for that for some of these other teams. We try to do what we can. Uh, I will say this. Ofi on paper has a better team than Apollon Limassol. Ofi should win this game. I say should hesitantly because Cypri teams have upset Greek teams in the past. And I'm speaking from, well, uh, not a state of depression, but more from like PTSD because I still remember Anorthosi losing to Anorthosi years ago. And then of course, you know, being up, upset with Apoel, upsets with Israeli teams as well. You know, these Cypriot teams are not pushovers and they are very, very good in European competition. They usually punch well above their weight. Alfie needs to bring it together and they need to beat these guys, but they can't take it. They can't look at them like competition beneath them because these guys will play above mm -hmm. their, their level. Adis, again, this is another game that they should win. Goloskova Valivka. don't know anybody on that roster. Not much data about them, but Adis is a better team. And Kovos Kovalivka, I think, finished sixth in the Ukrainian league last year, which has obviously got them in a similar spot. And they're not off to a strong start. I think the Ukrainian league has started off this season already. They're not off to a strong start. Obviously, Adis faltered a little bit towards the end of the Greek season, but we've talked about numerous times all the signings that they've brought in. Hopefully, that is enough to get them past Kolos and Honestly, yeah, I think it's it's totally reasonable to expect them to get through here. That would be nice. And for Ari's fans, you still have the danger men. You have Fetfatidis never went out to Saudi Arabia as he was linked to. You have Bruno Gama, who's, for me, a very good player for Greek standards, a very nice player to watch on the ball. They have goals in them. They, they, they have solid players. Ari should be winning this game, and they're... Adis are now one of the bigger teams in Greece. I know that they had their financial troubles. For Greek football to come back, Greek teams need to win these games. Lindsay Rose is still an Adis player, right? I feel like he always comes and scores goals or plays well he against us despite being a right us. back. That's interesting. Let me look that up. I think he's still with the team. So that's another player that they have. Yes, I believe so. Yes, he's still there. And before we finish up, I think it's important that we just kind of make clear you know, we know that the Ukrainian teams, very rich teams, they throw money at a lot of South American players and they bring them over. We understand that. But the quality, this isn't, we're not talking about Metallist. We're not talking about uh, Shakhtar or Dnipro, which are teams that are usually contenders. You know, th this Kolos Kovalivka team, is, is, they're not too special. They don't get a lot of these South American players either. These are primarily Ukrainian players. That are that are on this team, and they're in, in terms of the the games that they played. They played a couple of friendlies. That's really about it. They're not super. They're not super impressive either. Again, we don't get much in terms of player metrics for them. It's a lot more difficult to find, even with now our, our next gen player metric from Y Scout. We get some, and it's not super impressive. They don't have a lot of players that really stood out, at least from the friendlies. 
again, they're friendlies, but nobody that really stood out to me that I thought, you know, Adis is going to have a really tough time here. I think Adis can play with them. Uh, I think, you know, they're probably going to have to play on the counter, I mean, I'd imagine. But I think that Adis can put up a fight here, and I don't think it would be wrong for us to expect a win. Yeah, and long-term, we need we need three or four Greek teams making European competition. And if Adis can start getting back in Europe again and getting that European money, it would be really great for the, for the, for the league and for them and for building on our coefficient. Cause once you get into that European competition, the money starts to flow Yeah, and it's just key to get in there. So here's the hoping that they can get in there and they'll start being among the pack of Greek teams who are making money. And I just got to remind everyone, Panathinaikos' European ban is coming to an end, I believe, this season. Panathinaikos is a team right now with the talent that they have that you would expect, probably, to get close to the Europa League group stages. So that's some hope in the horizon as well. Well, they're going to they're have success now. Panathinaikos is, well, they're forced to, because of the financial situation, develop their own talent. But that's what they've always been good at. They've always been good at developing their own talent and then using that to create a team that's competed in Europe. You know, that's that's always been Jonathan Acosta's identity. I wish Olympiacos had a similar identity. Unfortunately, we don't. Are we improving? Yes. But I wish that was something that all Greek teams could do. So I, you know, I'm, I am hoping Jonathan Acosta has had some very interesting teams in the last couple of years with some good coaches as well. So I am, I'm hoping that we see a return, not just not just because of the, the coefficient, but having a really good Panathinaikos, a really good rival, and our, our biggest rival, even though their financial situation is dire. We need a healthy Panathinaikos. It makes us better. It makes the league more interesting as well. Yeah, it's so much more fun. And we've talked about this off camera many, many times when Panathinaikos are really right up there with us. Obviously, we want to beat them every time because they're our biggest rivals. But when those games are really hotly contested because Olympiakos and Panathinaikos are both like the two giants of Greece, that makes those games all the more exciting, especially once we get fans back in the stands and it's just a madness. But this year, obviously, we're more expected to win those games and it's, it's just a little less exciting in terms of the rivalry when we play them. So I'm certainly all for them getting back into European football and getting right back up to the top of Greek football with us as long as you know we're still better than them. In the long and term. if you just if you if you want to see how fiery it is and how much people care, throw on a Euroleague game and watch when Panathinaikos come to Seth and watch when Olympiakos goes to Oaxaca. Okay, the, there's a rivalry, and when the teams are good, it's good. And the basketball season, I know some people care about that, but some don't. Is going to be great. It's going to be exciting. That rivalry is going to be so much fun this year hopefully with fans, but we'll see. Yeah, well, I'm a big basketball guy myself, rooting for Olympiakos Kostas Lukas back in the team. Anyway, yes. we're, we're a football podcast, so I won't get too off topic. That being said, I think we are about all set. That's about everything that we felt we wanted to cover around the league. Thank you all for listening, especially if you've made it this far. We want to wish the best of luck to Pauk, Aris, and Ofi, and all those other random teams who are playing uh, countries ahead of us in the coefficient. 
in the upcoming Champions League fixtures. We will obviously have our eyes on those, and we will come back and comment on them as soon as those fixtures are played out. We look forward to the upcoming episodes this weekend and then the one after that and after that where we're going to be having all sorts of special guests come in and talk about all sorts of things Greek football. We hope you continue to listen and tune in and share the pod. Leave a rating on Apple or, or even write a review. If you write a review, maybe we'll read it out on the podcast if you are interested in that. That could be fun as well. Anyway, I think that's about it, unless you two have anything to add. But we thank you all for listening, and we will see you soon.